Welcome to episode 36 of the F1 show for the 2008 Belgian Grand Prix. Belgium is famous for three things. Fine chocolates, Detective Poro, and Spa-Francorchamps, the finest racetrack on the F1 schedule today. I'm Robin Warner. And I'm Jim Lau, and with the help of some weather, we had a quite a thrilling race today. At a proper racetrack, Formula One finally entertains like we all know it can and in a stunning final two laps of racing in the rain, Lewis Hamilton arrives victorious at the Belgian Grand Prix. Kimi and Hamilton pushed each other to the limits on dry tires in the wet, with Lewis granted a chance to breathe when Kimi punted the wall with his Ferrari with just two laps to go. Behind the melee, Felipe Massa steadily finished second. Behind the Brazilian came the screaming fast German of Nick Heidfeld. The BMW Sauber driver came in for a late pit stop and switched to intermediate tires, and it made up for several seconds on the lap. Fernando Alonso also came into the pits for intermediates with just a lap to go and managed to pass Sebastian Vettel at the final corner as a result. Sebastian Vettel managed fifth place, another strong result for the Toro Rosso team. Behind him came Robert Kubica in the second BMW, and the second Sebastian, that's Bourdais, finished seventh. Mark Webber crossed the line behind both junior drivers in eighth. Now, normally the 8th place finisher concludes the race report and we move on. But today, Lewis Hamilton got served. More specifically, a penalty for gaining an advantage over Kimi Raikkonen when he cut the chicane with just two laps to go. Hamilton did did give up the lead, but only just, and then passed right back going into turn one. I agree with the decision. Hamilton and Jim do not. Regardless, Hamilton received a 25-second penalty and officially finishes third. So Felipe Massa wins the Belgian Grand Prix. Jim, I think we have to start backwards and talk about the brilliant call by the stewards to penalize Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, call it brilliance. I don't know about that. I mean, um, Hamilton, they, they were they were side by side. Uh, Hamilton had been steadily making progress on Kimi, who had the lead. And um, they, they're side by side going into one of the chicanes. And Raikkonen really pushed Hamilton to the outside, and I think Lewis had nowhere to go, but he had to straight line the chicane. I don't think that's that's any you know there's no dispute about that. I don't that. think that's being disputed. Um, no. So then you know so by by going across the chicane instead of around it, uh, you know on the proper driving line, um, Hamilton ended up in front of Kimi, but didn't didn't back way off. I mean he slowed down, allowed Kimi to get um, you know the, the Ferrari was clearly fully in front of the McLaren. And you know and, and Raikkonen did kind of move, move across the track in front of him, so there was there was no question about you know the entire um, the entire Ferrari was in, in front of the entire McLaren and then you know was just um, was able to you know square around and, and make a, a you know a great pass going into like you say into Lasaurus hairpin turn one so I think any anything he would have gained by the uh, by cutting the chicane that way he gave back in the form of letting Raikkonen pass his car in complete you know in entirety um and then was just able to, uh, you know, he had to back off and then get back on the throttle, but he was cunning about where he got back on the throttle and was able to, um, you know, make the pass again, even after uh, the whole schmazzle and the chicane. So I don't think it was an unfair move, um, you know, unfair gaining of, of advantage through the hairpin because he did have to back off and get back on the throttle. It's just kind of like we, what we see at restarts sometimes, you know, where backing off and getting on at just the right time can be advantageous, and I don't think it was because of the chicane that uh, he was able to make that pass. Yeah, and... and 
we're not too far from each other on here, but I, I think I'm going to make two points here. Um, first is this is the very first time I've ever seen a driver uh, cut the course, give the give the position back, and then be able to pass again right in the very next corner. That's because Lewis so Hamilton is amazing. Okay. And so I think that for the start, that, that never happened. Second, uh, the the way the rules read, you're not supposed to gain any advantage by cutting the course. Now, certainly Raikkonen was pushing pushing Alonso to the end of the track. Hamilton? Hamilton. Yeah. To the end of the track. But when Hamilton took the lead by cutting the chicane, he gave it back. He gave it back very slowly and in such a way that he was giving him and he was getting back on throttle just in enough time to get toe and immediately shift back over to the front. And I don't think had he followed the proper racetrack line, he would have been able to do that. I think he would have been a few car lengths behind Raikkonen and not been able to just tuck under him exactly as he did and get the perfect amount of toe and be able to break on the inside at the perfect amount of time. And I think as a result, that is why he got the penalty. It was... It was close, and I think in many ways it was very brilliant racecraft on Hamilton's part. I think he took a risk by cutting it as close as he did, and he and he suffered the consequences, and that's the result. Yeah, um, I, I mean, I can't entirely argue with that. So uh, anyway, it's in the hands of the stewards. McLaren has filed an appeal, and it's worth noting um, Ferrari did not go to the FIA to have asked them to look into this. So this was clearly the stewards. Um, started the inquiry, in, inquiry on their own, and they went and asked Ferrari their side, and they went and asked McLaren their side. So um, I did read that that you know Ferrari is making it very clear that the, this wasn't a case of them whining about it or you know anything like that. Right. Um, although I guess you could argue that the FIA and Ferrari are so <clears throat> tightly knit anyway that you know yeah. somebody could have made a call to someone and they could sure. have, might not have been the tip official team, but um, there's a good chance the FIA has gotten a couple of free Ferrari shirts here and there. Yeah. So uh, that's that that's how that ends up, and uh, we'll see if the if the appeal goes anywhere. Um, I, I would rather it be settled now rather than going into a courtroom and then especially a- after, I mean, it, it may take, it's, it's not going to be handled this week. I, I really doubt it would be handled this week. And we've got Monza in just seven days' time. So it would really be a shame to have the result of this race changed, you know, again, after there's already been another race run and the championship points being all mixed around yeah, through sure. courtrooms and, and, you know, Absolutely. reviewing footage. So I guess if they can sort out something, you know, today or tomorrow and they determine, okay, this is how it is and it's final, um, whether it's the way that it is right now or the way it originally ended, um, then that's fine. But I really don't want this to drag on more than anything else. Sure. And it's not a total loss for Hamilton. He it's not. Did, he still does lead the he championship. Got third point. He, he got third place. That's worth six points. Yeah. He's still leading the championship. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, certainly Massa uh, played, you know, played the game very fair, had a completely fair race. Uh, in So... Uh, did Massa deserve the win? No, not necessarily. But uh, I don't think I don't think it's it's too terrible of a result. It it if he was disqualified from the race or something like that, I would have completely disagreed with that decision. That yeah, technically, what been. the penalty was was a drive-through penalty, but uh, obviously you can't serve that after the race is done. So they just add twenty-five seconds onto the time, which is about what that takes. You know, what a drive-through sure. penalty costs. Um, so so that that's how it ended up, and. Uh, I mean, yeah, if we look at the, you know, Lewis Hamilton is still leading the championship, but not only by two points right. over Felipe Massa. Um, what sucks, though, is Kimi Raikkonen back and forth um, with only 57 points. It's really looking dicey for Kimi to be able to defend his championship. I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, mathematically, it's not. There are still five rounds to go. Oh, sure. It's not even close mathematically. But yeah, but, I mean, we've got, 
uh, Lewis Hamilton with 76, Felipe with 74, and even Robert Kubica with 58 points, one point more than Kimi. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a figure I think Kimi can overcome. But we, we I think we should go back a couple laps into the race now. What happened was with three laps to go, uh, Raikkonen and... Raikkonen was in the lead. He had made a pass early on in the race, and he maintained the race lead, uh, excluding pit stops, uh, for the entire race. But with the last few laps, Raikkonen was hitting some lap traffic at a somewhat disadvantageous time. Okay, well, going before we go on that, a little bit farther back, um, <laughs> Hamilton had the lead and was just fine about it. Um, and Massa made a mistake. He went through Arus too slowly on lap one and allowed Kimi Raikkonen to get around him on the straight. And Hamilton was just, you know, whistling away into the distance. He had, you know, a good four or five second lead. And, and then spun on the last corner, um, you know, uh, to the bus stop chicane. And it didn't go quite all the way around, but it was most of a rotation. He had to stop, get it back into first, and get back underway. And that's actually what allowed Kimi Räikkönen to catch up to him. I don't think he was up four or five seconds. I think Couldn't he was. I don't know. I don't have direct notes on that. But uh, I thought it was only a second or a second it was, and a half. It was a pretty good lead. Um and and then, but it was still wet out, and they, they were on dry tires. This is the first lap, and um, it may not have been four or five seconds. That may be, I may have been thinking of something else. But it was it was a healthy lead, and he spun. It, it wasn't. He wasn't threatening to be taken. Yeah, to have a be overtaken yeah. that lap. Otherwise, sure. Certainly. So that that's what's really frustrating for for Lewis is you know kicking. Well, I guess he wasn't frustrated at the end of the day because he thought he won. Um, well, at the end of the day, he's probably frustrated. But before the end of yeah, the day, at the, la- at, the, at the last interview, he said, "Oh yeah, that really sucks, but I was able to overcome that and whatever." Um, he'll later, you know, he, he, by now he will have found out that uh, that's not the case. So, so that so you know, it so wasn't it wasn't it was good driving by Kimi to take advantage of that. But oh yeah, uh, but okay. But going back to that, Kimi did take the lead, and he did actually pull a pretty healthy gap. At one point, yeah. he was over six six seconds in front of Hamilton. And uh, then the second pit stop, second round of pit stops came, and Hamilton seemed to gain at least a second, second and a half in the pit stops alone. I think it was also partially the lap prior to the pit stop where he gained some as well. And the the gap shrunk down to under two seconds, but then it seemed to maintain around two seconds for a good part of the final stint. Yeah, 1.8, right around two. Sure. And then in the final few laps, Raikkonen started running into lap traffic at disadvantageous times. And that was allowing uh, Hamilton to catch up some. And they were actually within a second of each other with three laps to go. And then it started raining. And with that, Kimi, had to s- Kimi got off the power way earlier in one corner of the track. And that's when Hamilton pounced. Yeah. So Hamilton pounced, made a pass, made a clean pass, and took the lead. But these guys were all on dry tires. No one was willing to risk going in for intermediates. And... So they continued to race, and less than half a lap later, uh, Nico Rosberg spun in front of Hamilton. He was going to be lapped by Hamilton. That slowed both Raikkonen and Hamilton down. However, Raikkonen got an advantage there, yep. and Raikkonen passed Hamilton back for the championship, which made me scream loudly. And then, not two corners later, Raikkonen spins at the exit of the corner. He just now got on the power a little too early and got it sideways and now, came around. It almost looked like Nico might have bumped Raikkonen, but it was probably just camera angle. Looks like Raikkonen did it on his own. Yeah. So Raikkonen spins and Hamilton takes it back. However, they're still right next to each other. Raikkonen recovers and he's still cool. But then half half a half a lap later, Raikkonen spins again and this time hits the wall. Game over for Raikkonen. And he Raikkonen definitely had things gone well enough. He definitely could have retaken the lead and still could have won this race. It was a nail biting 
last uh, penultimate lap. This all happened on the second to last lap. Yeah, it was and really amazing. And a couple of cars ducked into the pits, um, but at this point, um, all the leaders had already had their final pit stops. They were ready to go to the end oh, of yeah. the race. There, it's it's two, just a two few laps, laps to go. To go. Yeah. yeah, And uh, the the two main drivers that did come in for inter- intermediates, uh, Alonzo and Nick Heidfeld, proved that it was definitely the right call. Nick Heidfeld did it with uh, two fa- full laps to go. Alonzo did it with just one lap to go. And uh, even then, even the extra 25 or so seconds it took to go into the pits, they made up on the track. It was a huge difference in race pace once yeah. they got in the inner. So in just two laps' time, um, Heidfeld went from eighth, pitted, was probably even below eighth, and then came back and finished third. And then because of Hamilton's penalty, Heidfeld actually collected eight points today for a second-place finish. Yeah, and it was kind of a heartbreak for Sebastian Bourdais, who was actually running third. He was in, in line for a podium spot. Yes, and uh, and then he actually dropped three spots in the last corner. I mean, it was right. It was yep. it was it like Heidfeld, Alonso. I mean, it was it was it was really too bad to uh, to see that because Bourdais had done well, but he stayed out on dry tires. And I guess that shows when you're if you're lower down in your mid pack on a so so performance. Mm-hmm. What have you got to lose? You know, you lose a couple of spots in the pit lane. You know, you're probably you're probably not going to do that. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll go under the dry tires. We'll give it a shot. But I mean, there was there was really no question if either the lead guys, if, if Hamilton or Reckon were going to come in for tires. I mean, they were out on track, neck and neck, battling. Um, I, at, at that point, they didn't know sort of how if it was going to get much wetter. And, and with the track this long, it can be really wet in a couple spots and still dry in others. Yep. it's really just a gamble, and they had too much to lose to gamble it. And unfortunately, that that all went wrong for Kimi, and uh, you know. It's we we know what happened to Hamilton, but um, that it was really some pretty amazing racing to uh, to see that all happen. And in stark contrast to you know Valencia two weeks ago, absolutely, which was a, a, a parade you know dotted with a couple of pit stops. Now that being said, I I, I want to give a big shout out to uh, Sebastian Borde. He did really really well this weekend. He actually was on the pole for Q1 of qualifying. Yeah, he had the fastest Q1 time. Yeah, the fastest Q1 time. He ended up uh, qualifying, I believe, it was fifth. Is no 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 I'm sorry no they were down because they had a lot of fuel yeah he, they did well in, in Q1 and Q2 they did they were really solid um, qualified eighth ninth qualified ninth but he qualified out qualified his teammate out qualified Vettel and he had a really long first stint and on the first lap he went from ninth to fifth he had a great start yep and he held fifth place and like we said he was actually in line to possibly get a podium finish. Until the very, very end, he could, just couldn't quite hold on with all, with the with uh, Alonso and Heidfeld coming through, and then with a couple other things going on. So, like the onboard but, shots of Heidfeld's car, though, with the intermediate tires, in, in it, it was like perfect conditions for the intermediate tires. You know, it was wet, but not super wet. Um, and I mean, they were just doing these outside passes, Al- Alonso and Heidfeld both. Um, you know, just going around two, three cars at a time, and in just a single corner, just going around the outside. It was really pretty amazing, and it. it could have been a lot more dicey. I mean, with the spray and everything, it, I wouldn't have been surprised at all if you know someone didn't see him coming around and, and went wide to go around someone else and ended up with a collision there. But surprisingly, it was all clean at the very end there, and uh, it was really pretty dramatic. And, and I'm sure Bourdais is just you know heartbroken to to see you know have all these cars just fly past him. There's nothing he can do at that point. Well, here's the irony, and it, it's it's a little bit disappointing uh, that neither team, McLaren nor Ferrari, uh, gave this a shot, especially McLaren. Um, had either one of those teams gone in for intermediate tires, I think that team would have most definitely won the race. 
Yeah, they were going. I mean, the leaders were going very slow on the last few laps, and everyone else was so far back. I mean, it wasn't a threat that like Heidfeld was going to come up for the lead or for the for the win or anything. Um, but but if Heidfeld had, if Heidfeld had an, another half a lap, he might have. Yeah, I mean but, that's the but thing. With the, the, the way people were spaced out. Oh but, sure. But I agree that yeah, if if Raikkonen had gone in for for tires, gotten intermediates, and come back out, it doesn't seem like there'd be any question he would have been. Well, it's, I guess we can't say that, but it, it's very likely he would have been able to make the time back up, um, get around Lewis Hamilton. and uh, Especially considering he would have had more confidence uh, in the tracks. He would have been less likely to make the mistakes yep. in the first place. I, I think I think the person that had done that theoretically would have definitely won the race, even though it seemed like an absolute nonsense idea at the time. Everyone was thinking, oh, you can't go in. It's much too late. But, man, it, it wasn't. It's a four-mile track, and, boy... Yeah, so two laps is is almost like you know four laps at most circuits. And, yeah, and sure. It's, it's really, uh, I mean, it's a shame, but you know, it, when they're in the moment and in the race and all that, you can't, uh, you know, they 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 don't have the advantage of hindsight that we do now. Right, and it's not any four laps either. I mean, this yeah. this place has some daunting corners. A lot of wicked fast corners. You know, oh rouge, oh it's boring, it's flat now, blah blah blah. Mm, not so much when it's wet. That livens yeah. right back up yeah, again. Yeah, Hamilton it? almost lost it on his lap once. Once Raikkonen crashed out, Hamilton was was still not slowing down too much because um, Massa wasn't all that far behind him, and uh, uh, Hamilton almost took it off into the wall at, at, at the exit of Oh rouge. I mean, it was dicey there, and he held onto it, but it was uh, yeah, no small feat to do so. Um, I also want to mention the uh, Heike Kovalainen, um, who. Let's see, where did he start? I don't remember now. Um, he was third. He was start. third, yeah. Pretty pretty poor start. Um, Very poor start. He actually hit Nick Nick Heidfeld in the opening lap, opening turn, and was penalized for it. He had a drive-through penalty as a result. Well, no, no, that was for Mark Webber. Yeah, that, Nick was, that was later. Kovalainen had a bad. Yeah. But Heidfeld... Um, he, he dropped down to, like, 10th. I mean, he was way down. Um, way yeah. down. It basically just had to work his way back up. Heidfeld, traffic. Heidfeld and Kovalainen had a collision in turn one, and then later Kovalainen had uh, another collision with Weber, which he was penalized for a drive-through penalty. Yeah, so just looking at the lap chart here, it, it's like it's like stair steps. I mean, uh, Hickey starts out third, loses. I mean, he's like tenth or eleventh at the end of lap one, uh, but works his way up through traffic. I mean, with the other sort of cars running wide and another couple little crashes and stuff, he was able to uh, he was able to make his way back up, and he was actually up as high as as back up to like sixth. Um, then he had to do his pit stop, and then he had to do his drive-through penalty, and that takes him down to, uh, what is that, like 17th? I mean, just way down, way low in the field. And he just had to storm his way all back up through the field. Um, and he did, a, he did a good job of it. I mean, he, he really had the hammer down, and it was, I guess it's that situation where you've got nothing to lose, and you're, you know, back down in the mid-pack, but you've got a fast car. Um, he was able to just make up, you know, passes on just about every lap um, and actually work his way back up. And uh, let's see, where did he... Uh, he finished what sixth? Where'd, um, Kovalainen. Oh no, he finished tenth. Yeah, he did Cause, not cause he have didn't, a great he didn't, day. He didn't pit um, to get. Uh, he didn't pit to get wet tires, but uh, so it was like uh, eventually, you know, worked out poorly for him because he actually stopped on track right after uh, he was just barely lapped, and uh, basically right after start finish, he just pulled over and stopped and gave up on it. But um, in the dry, and when he after after making some bad mistakes, he did show some good driving talent. So it's still yes, he did. Still needs to be refined a little bit, I guess. You know, still needs to get a little better. I still think he has a confidence issue too. Yeah, um, but you know, I guess it seems like when when he's really pushed for whatever reason, uh, he still can you know make some really good passes, make some good moves, and he drove smart. Um, you know, the times he wasn't crashing. <laughs> well, and I, and uh, speaking of speaking of results and performance, 
once again, Kimi Raikkonen had the fastest lap of the race. Uh, yeah. Kimi Raikkonen is very capable of getting immense performance out of cars, but he just he cannot he has not been able to put it together. And this really was Kimi's race. He was going to bring it back. He was going to shut everybody up. It was going to be the end of it. And, uh, and he, it looked like he had that too. I mean, once he once he had taken advantage of Lewis's mistake, and he was doing well with it. And then the weather came, but before then, I mean, it would it had pretty much answered anyone's question about oh, does Kimi still have it? Yeah, he was doing great. He was doing great. And here's something interesting that I want to point out to everybody. I think I think this will this will uh, send the message home. Uh, we have Heike Kovalainen has had two fastest laps of the race this season. He had the fastest lap in Australia and in Bahrain. Nick Heidfeld has had the fastest lap of the race twice, actually, once in Malaysia and once in, once in Germany. Uh, and Felipe Massa has had the fastest lap of the race once as well in the European Grand Prix. Kimi Raikkonen has had the fastest lap eight times this season. He has been the fastest man in the race for a single lap. He's won once. Yeah. I mean, what, what does that mean? I mean, obviously he's fast, but why can't he translate that into, I mean, well, a couple times, one, he got rear-ended by Lewis Hamilton once. In Canada. In Canada, and that, that's, that was not, that's not definitely his fault. not his fault. Yeah. But and his engine blew up okay, a couple weekends ago. I don't think he was in uh, competition to win the race, but he would have had a better result. He's definitely had some bad luck, but his qualifying performance has only been so-so. He tends to carry more fuel than Massa does, but this time around, he pitted before Massa did uh, in his first pit stop by a lap, so he still needs to turn up the wick with qualifying. Yeah, well, I mean, you wonder if there are five races to go in the season, if these are going to be his last five races, because I feel like Kimi's the kind of driver where he's he's coming, he's he's been in the sport for a number of years, he's got his world championship right now, it doesn't look like he'll be able to uh, successfully defend it, although he might. Um, but uh, if, it, if it stops being fun and is more like work for him, um, he may just say, oh, yeah, I've had my fun, I'm out, see ya. Yeah, you know. I, I don't think so. He's got a contract for 09. I think I don't think there's any reason for him not to honor it. And again, I mean, yeah, Kimi Raikkonen ended up crashing out. Lewis Hamilton drove brilliantly, but I, I'd say Kimi Raikkonen drove almost as brilliantly. These were pretty daunting uh, situations here, and there were a couple of pretty serious curveballs thrown into this race. And uh, so I I don't think it's fair. In, to pawn Kimi off as as another you know bad result for him uh, because of his poor performance at this race weekend. There's no, definitely some extenuating circumstances. That's not that's here. not really what I'm saying. Just you know if if it continues like this, where he's like you know definitely got the talent and it, but and he's just putting the, the hard work in and it's just not not getting done. Um, that he may just decide you know this is more more work and more hassle for you know a limited result and he's already sort of proven what he needs to prove as a driver. Uh, maybe he'll step down and let someone else deal with all the, the stress and the nonsense of, you know, being yeah. in the world championship he, he and certainly, all that. He certainly is not as interested in the Formula One lifestyle, including the popularity, the public attention with the media, and all the little uh, public relations type of activities that Formula One drivers are asked and yeah, expected really to not do. His thing. You know, having the camera shoved in your face at almost any moment, that type of thing. Um, and he doesn't. He really doesn't like restrictions in the things he's allowed to do in his own time. Snowmobile racing, yeah, offshore boat racing, or whatever he has in mind. Kimi's the type of guy that it's like I, I do what I want, and you know he's he's been dealing with it. He seems to be uh, he seems to be enjoying 
the Ferrari team, which is less disciplined than the McLaren team, uh, better. And I, I think I don't. I'm not counting them out just yet. I'm way too big of a Raikkonen fan, Raikkonen fan to do that. And I, I think I think I think he's definitely going to do '09. Uh, he could see him beyond that. Yeah. So I, I I just wonder. I mean, I feel like it could open things up wide open as far as you know if Alonso goes to Ferrari and then if you know who goes to Renault and it, sure. it really could change things up and uh, I don't know if Raikkonen so much cares about that um, but it seems like this kind of a weekend is kind of you'd walk away from and be like man you know it's it's fun out there driving the car and doing my thing but you know for all this all this work for for what result you know and uh, and then it seems like the kind of thing that could make you know make him think like you know this is really not not worth you know continuing and you know keeping going with this uh, this lifestyle so well there's a lot of ways I mean he could be in all kinds of a lot of you know Formula Formula One drivers go to touring cars or Le Mans cars. I mean, there's definitely other ways he could go out and have fun and race tracks and all that. Oh sure, with many fewer restrictions on what he can do in his spare time. Sure. So, uh, you know, there's it's it it still leaves it open, and uh, we don't we haven't heard any news on that. I mean, like you say, he has a contract. Right. Although we've definitely seen that contracts be broken and people oh, be sure. paid off in the past. So I, I just I think in Kimi's case, he's going to honor it. He's been saying he's going to honor it. Ferrari's been supporting him fully. Yeah. But the rumor has been that Alonso might go there for 2010. However, for 2009, the rumor has been that Alonso might end up at Honda. Yeah. And Honda sucks. Oh, Honda. I mean, this is remarkably bad. They've both been languishing in the back. I mean, honestly, they've been, they've been racing uh, Force India. Yeah. That's been their closest competitor. And Honda does have 14 points. I mean, they have had some, some decent finishes, um, but they were just passed by Scuderia Toro Rosso this weekend. for uh, So uh, SCR is now eighth in the championship and Honda's ninth. And this second second half of the season for Honda has been miserable. I think, in, in my mind, it's pretty clear that they've completely given up on this car. They focused their energy on the 09 car. They're hoping to get a lot out of the curve Didn't they do system. that last year, though, partway through 07? Oh, we're giving up on the 07. We're just focusing on the 08. Yeah, but I think also, you know, that, again, we've... Ross Braun's now part of the Honda team. We're still, I, I, we said from the beginning, we have to give him two years. 09 is the second year. That's where that team has to shine, and Ross Braun has to prove his worth. Yeah, and I guess also before um, Alonzo moved to McLaren, we were all wondering why in the world would anyone go to McLaren with the cars blowing up as much as they are and so unreliable, and then it turned out you know, McLaren did have a solid, reliable, and you know, championship you know, contending car um, for him. Um, so... Obviously, fortunes can change, and uh, you know they know a whole lot more about the development, and what's going on with new rules and all that than we do. So, uh, you know, we can't uh, we can't count count anyone out here. But uh, it's you know, well, it, well, it's gotten to the point where I honestly and, and, and truly feel bad for Rubens Barrichello and yeah. Jensen Button. I mean, that car is junk. Yeah, that that's it's so underdeveloped and so piss poor. I mean, if you look at trap speeds at the end of Spa on Friday practice, they were ten miles an hour off. Yeah, the trap speeds. And uh, Rubens did re- retire after 19 laps with us. Um, it's written down here as a gearbox failure, um, probably not a driver error kind of a thing. So, yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure the Honda Civic Si is faster than the Formula One car right now. Well, if only because it finishes races and can you know <laughs> take advantage of people that lose. Yeah, and uh, and you know and, and Jensen Button um, ended up 15th um, after what starting 17th. So that's really pretty poor. There were only three retirements, you know, including Kimi Raikkonen, uh, Rubens, and then Nelson Piquet after 13 laps. Basically yeah. just got it wrong and slid into the wall. Um, yeah. And, and retired on his own there. But, uh, so, considering all the all that could have gone wrong, that is kind of low attrition. And, uh, you know, which 
it's 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 crazy though. But um, speaking of contracts and future deals in 2010, um, it was brought out this weekend and no, nothing official yet. But that the U.S. Grand Prix is due to be back on the calendar. Sweet. And uh, possibly 2010. And, uh, you know, and, and there's like we say, no, nothing's confirmed yet. But Bernie Ecclestone seems to be hinting at that. And they say they're looking at a couple of different venues. Indianapolis, I think, is an obvious one. Um, but uh, that's that's exciting news for us. You know, we, very uh, good news for us. We were very disappointed that we could not go to a race this year. Yeah. I I I might still buy tickets to go to Monza. I don't know. I. Absolutely love Monza. <laughs> it, it, it's it's so cool for me. Spa and Monza are my two favorite tracks, yeah. bar none. I mean, I, I can't wait for next weekend. Yeah, and uh, neither can I. And, and um, the only thing, I guess we did, uh, actually both of us went to the Detroit Grand Prix last weekend. Yes, um, In the week between um, Europe, the uh, Valencia race, and uh, and here. And Jim I went handled to, the Saturday beat. Yeah, I went to the uh, American Le Mans Series race, and uh, there was a, it was a, a great race there. And if I don't know if uh, you... Our, our international fans are as into ALMS, and I don't know if it's even you know played uh, around the world, but uh, on TV. But it's a very cool series. You know, just like in Lamar, you've got uh, the four classes: two, you know, Prototype One, Prototype Two, and GT One and GT Two, all racing on the same track at the same time, um, and just a lot of different battles going on, and, and uh, just really good racing. And I had a great time out there on uh, on Saturday, and uh, actually, and Andretti Green Racing got their first win uh, in this series, um, and uh, and then. The uh, Highcroft team was uh, second on uh, another Acura-powered car. It was actually, actually Acura 1-2-3, so Acura has really put their mark, or Honda, has really put their mark on uh, the Prototype 2 um, you know, class over over the Porsches and done a really good job with that. And, and isn't it true that Honda plans on going to Prototype 1 Yes, class? the two teams, the, the second-place and third-place teams, the Acura-powered teams, are actually going to be part of Acura's um, Prototype 1 uh, campaign next year to go up against the Audis, which have just been dominant since like the late '90s. So let's hope that no one from Formula One has anything to do with that program. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's they've they've done well, and those are Lola cars. I mean, they're not Honda designed aerodynamics or anything like that. Um, it's just the engines, and I guess maybe that's Honda's good at that. Maybe they should just go back to being an engine supplier. And it's it's possible. I mean, though even their engines have been. Only so-so in the Formula 1. Yeah, although it's a bit hard to tell between the engine and the gearbox and the electronics and sure. everything else, if it's really engine or if it's the whole package of the car and, and the drivers and brakes and everything else. Yeah. But and hence, uh, I, I went to the Sunday uh, ver- uh, day of the Grand Prix weekend, and uh, I saw the IndyCar race myself and saw Justin Wilson, uh, formula, former Jaguar F1 driver, uh won his first uh, IndyCar victory. He was a champ car driver before and had a few wins. He raced a lot with Sebastian Bourdais, in fact, and was Bourdais' main rival. The last two years, Bourdais was in the series. Uh, Justin Wilson uh, beat out Castro Neves, uh, the Penske driver, for his first win. Ironically, because of a penalty, yep. uh, Castro Neves blocked, and the, the IndyCar series is more strict with blocking than yeah, Formula 1. Yeah, it's one move to defend your position, and if and you do two it. moves... And, and it cannot be a reactionary move. So, uh, and What I thought was interesting about that, though, I, I was reading a post-race interview of Ayla Castro Neves, and um, he said normally... They, they push up against the rules, it sounds like, all the time. He says, normally, the kind of move I did would get me a warning. And we'd have one warning, and then if I did it again, we'd actually get a drive-through penalty. We'd actually get in trouble. Right. So it's like he knew what he was doing was in, in a foul of the rules, um, but they were a little bit inconsistent about, oh, we give him a warning, then we do it. And yep. that, that, to me, is pushing it a little bit far. I mean, if you, if you know you're breaking the rules and you just figure, oh, the first one's free, um, that, I think, is, is pushing it a bit much. So I do think that that penalty was fair in that case. Well, and, and but to, to my, uh, Castroneva's defense, you know, if, if, you're, if you're racing, you're trying to keep the lead, and, uh, you know, 
this happened actually twice in the race where Justin, early after the pit stops, Justin Wilson was faster than Castro Neves was. It took the Penske car longer to get the tires up to temp and get moving than the than the Newman Haas car. And uh, Justin Wilson got very close, but then once the car settled down, Castro Neves pulled away. So uh, Castro Neves was expecting this again. This was just this was basically Justin's last chance, and he said, "If I can just, you know, it's for a race win." And Castro Neves, unlike Justin Wilson, is also racing for the championship, which is actually going to be decided right now. Yeah. Um. So, you know, he had a lot to gain by keeping Justin Wilson behind him. Although, it, all that being said, it was a very good race, and uh, I was definitely happy to go and see something this year, even if it wasn't Formula One. Yeah. And uh, also, uh, I wanted to say, you know, it's it's too bad uh, the IndyCar students couldn't be. The model of consistency that the Formula One stewards are. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I guess the other thing I, you mentioned about the weekend, um, and obviously Andretti Green Racing uh, has several different programs, and they're all they're all tied in with Honda as an engine supplier and all that. Um, and to see them do well in um, in ALMS, but the, their IndyCar program, it's just. It's just gone poor right now. I mean, they've got Marco Andretti, who's you know son of the boss, you know, and he's sort of a guaranteed ride in there because he's you know, Danica Patrick. Danica Patrick, worthless. Great for marketing. Yeah, uh, not she's so great for, a lot. for driving. Um, Tony Kanaan's solid. I mean, he's he's, he's the only one. He's though. the one that's holding it down. And but then a rookie Japanese driver. Yeah, I don't even know his name. Matasuri or something. Yeah, something like that. And. Uh, <laughs> They're they're no good. Yeah, and they've been the class of the field in the past, but uh, they're just... Well, they were the class in the field when the Honda engine wasn't the sole engine supplier. And even the last year that it was, because Andretti Green was the factory Honda team yeah. and got special support. But now that Honda supplies the entire field... Now and that it's an even playing same, field there. Yeah, Andretti lost um, that advantage. Uh, you know, Marco's a decent driver. He, in fact, he's pretty good when he's, when he's good, but I think... He's he's uh, a bit emotional. He's got uh, some maturing to do. Danica's no good, and the other guy's a, a Japanese rookie who's in there because Honda wanted a Japanese driver, not because he was the absolute best driver they could put in the car. Yeah. So poor old Tony Kanan has a four-car team, and he actually has to worry about his teammates as much as anybody else hitting him <laughs> every race. So that's, and Kanan finished third. It's in this a tough race, job, but yeah. So so Kanan had decent results. I mean, with Danica and, and Marco were like in the teens or something. I mean, they yeah. were they were pretty far back then. But half of you guys don't even know what we're talking about or care, probably. So we, we can introduce people to IndyCar. Oh yeah, it's worldwide. It's worldwide. On that note, um, <laughs> what else? What else is there to cover on, on this race? I mean, I guess. Well, I kind of wanted to mention that Nelson Piquet still sucks. Yeah, qualified twelve. I think they need to. Th- it's been it's been a while since they've threatened his job, so they need to. Yeah. Get that back in his mind. Qualified tell no, sorry, qualified a no, qualified twelve. Started twelve. Started twelfth and retired after thirteen laps. Yeah, because he because he hit because he hit the wall because he um psyched himself out. Yeah, it wasn't wet then either. It was just kind of he got it wrong. Absolutely dry, and uh, Fisichella sucks. Vettel's still pretty good. Vettel's still really good. Bourdais catching up. We call. Oh, oh, I should mention uh, the ninth and tenth. Timo Glock actually passed Mark Weber for the ninth position on the final lap. Unfortunately, he didn't realize that was, you know, as they were going past Kimi Raikkonen's car, which was still on the, you know, his, his broken down car on the edge of the road. Local yellow. There was a local yellow. He wasn't supposed to make a pass, and he got a drive through penalty, 25 seconds as well, which gave the spot back to Mark Weber. So um, that was uh, just a, a real quick, um, you know, Timo, I don't know, getting a little overeager and not paying attention to the flags there or whatever. But or, I'm sorry, for, for eighth spot. So Mark Weber did get the point. Timo Glock did not. And, uh, you know, that's, I guess, a good deal for Weber getting a point. And I also want to uh, 
mention that we had a comment on Facebook um, in regards to our um, mention of uh, let's see I got to get to it now sorry sorry oh that it was uh, Masa almost hit Adrian Sutil not Fisichella we got that wrong so thank you Charlie Frazier for uh, correcting us it was Adrian Sutil that Moss almost hit, uh, not Fisichella. So, indeed, uh, and also I guess to uh, uh, we had a comment on the uh, on f1show.com um, where we we post all the podcast episodes. There's also like blog, basically blog entries for those. Uh, you can comment right there. And uh, Tom mentioned that we did have a problem with the audio uh, last week's episode, and I do apologize for that. I just I got to do a little bit better job of uh, checking those things before I post them online. But uh, we had it set so that Robin was just in one channel and I was just in another channel, and that's really not how it's supposed to be. That's so, not how it goes. Yeah, so uh, I apologize for that, and uh, hopefully by the time you're hearing this, if you're still still with us this late in the episode, um, everything has worked out and everything's happy, and I do apologize for that. And if you do have any uh, questions or concerns or uh, you know just brilliant comments you want to share with us, you can email them to feedback at f1show.com. You can visit f1show.com directly and uh, reply to our uh, to the comments there. And uh, also just click through from f1show.com to the Facebook page, and we've got a group there, and uh, we, you know, we pop in and, and join in discussions and everything um, when we can, and go from there. Um, I want to hear from people what did they think, right or wrong, about Hamilton's penalty. That is a that is going to be a debatable issue, I think. So uh, I, I'd really like to hear from people that. And I'd also like to thank everyone at Facebook as a whole. We are now at 107 fans. Nice. Including this this cute one that plays tennis. Oh, boy. Anne-Marie Kim, I think it is. I'm going to yeah, have to look yeah. her up. Nice. <laughs> You're a Facebook stalker. Yeah, so anyway, uh, that means that, Jim, we are only 93 Away, Which only is, 93 almost fans there. from 200. I think 200s are marked. That's I think what, by I Monza think that's, we can we can do. That. I really want. Come on, there's only only 93 more people. I mean, I, I every if, if every if everyone tells two friends and they tell two friends and they Who tell tells two, two friends. I mean, yeah, come I mean, on, then that that's like it. Right that's there. like a million. I mean, and, and I have two friends, so I I have two friends as well, but so, I'm talking to one of them. Oh boy, so uh, <laughs> so so that's how that plays out. Um, we do have um, Monza. Next weekend, only a week away, not a whole yes. lot of downtime in between. No. And I'm actually, as soon as we get out of here and get the podcast online, going to be on a plane to uh, to England. And Jet as, setting. And as soon as we, as soon as I land from that flight next Saturday or next Sunday, I get off the plane, drive home, and we watch the next race. So yes. I've got Formula One bookends. It's a beautiful thing. Um, what do you think is going to happen next weekend in Monza? I have no idea. But I mean, yeah. With I'm going to give an opinion anyway. When we've just seen the race unfold as we as we have, I mean, I actually had Kimi for the win, which was a reasonable prediction right near right near, near to the end. And I had Hamilton for the win, which, which was, was an equally reasonable prediction. Um, and then it was Massa. So, so what can you do? <laughs> by virtue of a penalty. So, all right. So this is how I'm going to play it. Okay. I'm going to play it as in Raikkonen is actually going to be so angry about his result today and fired up that he will actually be interested in winning the race and try as hard as he can, and I think he will do it. Plus, it's, it's Italy. It's a Ferrari. It's, Italy, it's Monza. It's Monza. Ferrari has a strong engine. They've got good aero package, and Raikkonen's the man. I think it's Raikkonen, Raikkonen. You think it is? I'm going to go – I'm going to go – I mean, I, I I really want to see Lewis Hamilton do well. Um 
I think maybe Ferrari is going to be throwing their support behind Massa now, whether they whether they want to or not. I mean, I think it's pretty clear as Raikkonen being the defending world champion that he's the number one driver. But when you look at the results and now this weekend's results in, in, as well, I mean, with Massa ten points, Raikkonen zero, um, they really need to get behind Massa, and I, I think Massa is going to end up with uh, with the victory. Um, as I. I which would actually tie if if uh, Lewis comes in second would actually tie them up for uh, the lead in the championship. Now last year it was actually McLaren that showed up Ferrari at Monza. They owned this track last year. Yeah. Do you think not so much this time round? It's. I mean, it's so hard to predict. Like I don't. I don't have. But any, it's so much fun. I don't have any insider information that's going to yeah, lead me need, one way or another. We I mean, we're goods. we're basically just trying to know work with what we've got. In general, it seems like Ferrari's had fantastic pace. And this is, you know, Monza is a very high-speed track. I mean, it's. I think it's going to be Massa or Hamilton. I know I can't pick two. Um, <laughs> you, no, you really can't. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to go with that. I'm going to say it's either Massa or Hamilton. Either way, either way, I'm right. You think you're going to go? Reckoning. You're going to go Hamilton for show. He's going to be top three. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, um, as far okay, so so I, I guess Massa on pole, Hamilton for the for the victory is, is where I'll end up with on the predictions. All right, and uh, it's a little bit random, but. Another so, so McLaren Ferrari rival. This time we're actually pitting for our our favorite drivers. This time yeah. I'm, I'm going Raikkonen and you're going Hamilton. So. Well, that's that's how it should be. I mean, that's, you know. that's how it should be. Cool. All right, and hopefully I think the guy that's going to win the race is going to be the one that gets a performance box because the F1 show is sponsored by the performance box, a lap timing meter thing. I don't have a little thing in front of me. Yeah, GPS based stupid lap timer, performance meter, and overall tool for seeing what your car can do. Yes, shipping it, worldwide from Performance Drift. That's that's most of it. I've got the whole. Th- I've heard it so it's many times. It's perfect for any car nut to use at track days, autocrosses, or to simply see what your car can do. Though absolutely, don't forget that part. That's right. Performancedrift.com. Awesome. <laughs> I think that wraps it up for our coverage of Belgium and uh, Spa, and what a brilliant track this is. I mean, it's every year we come back here. It's just the you know driving track. There's the weather aspect of it. There's the whole length of the laps. It's just it's and really to go great. from Valencia to this really points out. Why you have to go to proper racetracks? Why this cookie cutter road course uh, nonsense can't can't be the can't be the whole schedule. season? It just yeah. can't. So and then and then we go to Monza next week, which is another brilliant track. And after that, we've got I don't know if we can consider it a cookie cutter. I mean, it's a street circuit in Three Singapore, but it does circuit. have some sweeping turns, and it's it's pretty wild for a street circuit. And, and it's gonna be in the dark it'll be at night. So we've got a whole lot uh, le- excitement left this year, and uh, we hope to have you with us then. Until then, I am Jim Lau, and I'm Robin Warner. We'll see you then. 